0: Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises
1: one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex, and I'm Britton, and we're here again to talk about a popular film franchise. Yeah, uh, the Nolan verse. That's true. We're doing, we're doing it in waves. All um, of we're doing all the Christian for Christian for Nolan's movies. We're doing
0: like the one director who doesn't really try to like do cheeky nods to his other movies. Yeah inside that's true so uh i don't know we just we felt like it yeah um well i think
2: when you look at just movies coming out in a theater these days um you don't really get directors being the selling point a lot of the time that's true and and you only get like a couple of select examples like um, your tarantino's or your christopher nolan's and specifically nolan it's like a lot of movies at least when they're f- they first start getting marketed it's like the next christopher nolan movie yeah, and yeah. that gets pe- people's attention um so in that way he he is kind of a franchise in and of himself so that's why we're, we're kind no, of approaching it, these
0: it is it is true and he is like he i think it, yeah c- like the marketing will say from christopher nolan yeah. it's not from the director of inception and the dark Knight. like some, yeah, you know, yeah. i'm sure there's counterexamples examples and trailers that do that, but he, his name is just a selling point because people know him so well. So, like, that is, that is really what we're thinking. Also, uh, the, the, the Zack Snyder, uh, series that we did, uh, got a lot of views. So, <laughs> <laughs> you did this really, audience Uh, it's all your fault that we are going full film, bro. That's, that's my stance and I'm sticking are. to it.
1: Yep. Next, we're going to talk about Fincher. It's, it's time to sell out. Uh, <laughs> We also just we got a year ahead of us and this is what we're yeah, trying we to do, do now so <laughs> um but that means we're starting with a very little known uh film you know it is actually kind of outside of people who are you know film people and what movie yes. is that Alex? Following Following it's called Following
2: <laughs> it is called Following it's it's following a Christopher Nolan tale yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> From the book of Nolan.
2: From the book of Nolan. There we go.
1: That's all right. That's 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 the, right the movie opens with Christopher Nolan with a giant tome going, "Well, hello, so <laughs> the fantastical mind,
0: of Christopher." <laughs> so you want to got, hear a story? Do, 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 do,
1: do, do. He's got the fancy pipe, but bubbles are coming yeah. out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and he opens. Ah, here's a wonderful tale. Right. This is one of my favorites. It's about a shaggy-headed, sunken-eyed fellow. Who walks around a city a lot?
0: Let's I, begin. I, I love the energy of Christopher Nolan movie trailers, as kind of created in the style of it, what you would find on a late 90s, early 2000s VHS tape yeah. for a, kid, a a children's film, <laughs> like <laughs> bad CGI <coughs> of.
1: I haven't a watched and, the. I haven't watched the Cabinet of Curiosities Del Toro show yet, though I intend to. But I'm assuming it's like that. That there's a lot of him sure. just opening a giant book and saying, Ah, you're back <laughs> again, are we? <laughs> now back to Christopher Nolan's Wonder Emporium. <laughs> oh, Lord. What's the stuff, Alex?
2: You know, for, for being called the Wonder Emporium, it really wasn't that wondrous. <laughs> it's actually kind of sad and dour and... <laughs> Yeah, there was some optimism, but it was quickly crushed by just an overbearing, lengthy, lengthy story. Are we still talking?
1: Are we, Did you watch Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium?
2: <laughs> I did. That's my <laughs> recommendation this week. You were
1: like, Mark Forster can't do wrong. Let's do this.
2: <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I like Quantum of Solace. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> uh yeah so we're starting with following and we are doing all of the nolan movies through tenet um and then we'll do oppenheimer at some point um, not
0: uh, excluding the dark Knight trilogy which we have already the dark done trilogy, yes. and man of steel which uh you know clearly uh follows creatively in his footsteps right but uh has another director
1: we're also not doing was that transcendence where johnny depp married a computer or was a computer yeah
0: that's true. Yeah,
1: we're not doing that one. Um, we're not doing the Beethoven movies. They're not Christopher Nolan, so we'll get to them at some point. Also, not the Battleship Potemkin. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are doing Battleship.
0: You you might have questioned it because we're doing Dunkirk, but no, sure. <laughs> no, we're not doing every ship movie. <laughs> Even though I think Nolan would probably like that. <laughs> um. Oh, Battleship Potemkin
1: and Fitzgeraldo. All right then. <laughs>
2: You know, I I do think Nolan would approve of us watching (laughs) PT-109. Hunt for the Red October. There's there's like one person out there who probably gets that reference. In the name Uh, of the sea. (laughs) Yes. Following from 1998, (laughs) it has an 81% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 85% audience score. And Hmm. it is just shy of 70 minutes. I don't I mean, know if this got a theatrical release, or if I even... what What is the window for, like, how long it can be to, to
1: justify being in a like theater? I feel like 70 might be it. I feel like... I don't know. Nightmare Before Christmas isn't that much longer.
2: so yeah, I'm not actually sure. I'm not sure if I've seen a movie that short. Because yeah. I feel like, at least in terms of... Um, most mainstream movies, if they're going to be that short, they they try and hit the ninety
1: minute mark, and yeah. then it's like, all right, we're done. Right. <laughs> you know. One, like, I don't know what qualify, like, how, what the max length you can be to be a quote short film. Yeah, I don't know.
0: And of course, the- it has a. Uh, it was only, I mean, it was a six thousand dollar budget. Um, sure. Short Tracks. Uh, it did. It says it has. It had a box office. It was, you know, five digits, but. Um, also, I do want to make clear we're also not doing Pearl Harbor. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're saving that
1: for the Michael Bay. Sure. Uh, when eventually, we, <laughs> when we do when we do our, our sister compact Beyblade, sister compact. What is my brain? <laughs> sister podcast Beyblades, where we watch yes. all the Michael Bay films. Yes.
0: And also every hockey film.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Slap shot and Goon and the other ones. Um. The Will Ferrell one that people like. Oh yeah, Blaze of Glory. That's an yeah. mm-hmm. sure a figure skating movie.
0: Oh.
2: I'm sure a hockey <laughs> player shows up at some point in Wildfire yeah. Jinx and Sue. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That we're also, like we're guy also guy. not doing that Greyhound movie that Tom Hanks was in. Um, right. <laughs> probably gonna do Jungle Cruise, but that's just because Nolan's such a fan. <laughs> yes. He was like, right. Right. It, "I'm done, it, I'm done, really. He was like, "It's a boat, but in the jungle, I gotta see this." <laughs> that, that was his favorite movie of that year. Uh huh. It sure was. I wouldn't stop talking about it. Um, <laughs> but what is this following film? What is it about? Well, the synopsis of following reads thus: A young writer living in London follows people in the hope of using their lives in his novels. But the hobby becomes an obsession, and soon he finds himself going further than intended. Well, kinda cuz he really only follows people for about 6 minutes and then it becomes a movie about breaking and entering and the mafia? Yeah. I I maybe that was I pornographers. I
0: wasn't it's <laughs> it's what the movie tells us.
1: Yes. I wasn't wild about the movie and it was not from any critical standpoint just it didn't hit me personally. But I think I I wanted more of the him following people. I found that really interesting. <laughs> I think some of that might have been shot kind of group without people knowing they were doing it. So that might've yeah. been one of the reasons it's not the focus of the movie. Um, whereas we can put two people in a room and shoot that <laughs> for $6,000.
2: Well, like the opening shot is him sitting at like a Dunkin Donuts. Yeah. And yeah. it just has the Dunkin Donuts logo. And of course, cause it's a micro budget movie. Like normally they just kind of do that. It's just like whatever they, yeah. they can shoot with. That's what they get. But, like, if this was not guerrilla filmmaking, I would imagine they would try and remove that. Sure. <laughs> it's just like, right. sure. no, nope, get the—we're we're not trying to, to get sued for yeah, uh, yeah. A, a product placement deal or anything like that. Sure, sure. Um, and, of course, Nolan doesn't really like doing product placement in his movies anyway, so.
1: <laughs> One of the levels of Inception is somebody talking about Snapple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt just
2: would not shut his mouth about Stamps.com. <laughs> I mean, he just wouldn't let it go. I don't wear hockey
1: pads unless they're by Adidas. <laughs> uh, presumably they do hockey pads. Um, Probably. <laughs> I'm not going to an R-I-A, R- R-I-O, what's that? R E R E I R E I. Stir. I am... <laughs> <laughs> well, what part of the reason I've,
2: nev- I've never seen tyler's
1: brain self-destruct <laughs> in such a beautiful way <laughs> it was uh kind of like oppenheimer no i, 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 I part of there's anything i wanted more of that is i really like the photography of him following people he has like I, I don't know i think the the framing is really nice and how the narrator is talking about uh once you see this crowd of people and they're all just a crowd, but if you pick someone out and follow them, suddenly they become special. Suddenly they become unique within that crowd. Like that was really interesting to me. And I just, I like the way all that was photographed. So maybe that was part of it. I wanted a little bit more of that. Yeah. It's very interesting
2: kind of going back to his early works. Um, Cause all of us have seen most of his movies at this point, And we're, we kind of know his style and, um, and it's very interesting how this both feels like it does feel like, Oh, it's early days. Nolan, he's still kind of developing himself, but there's just so many of his yes. hallmarks that are in this. Like, obviously he's got kind of the very grounded nature in terms of how he's shooting. And, um, the editing's not super crazy. And he, like the craziest thing that happens is just a fist fight. That is not really a fish, fist this fight. It's more yeah. just guys rolling around and then somebody gets punched um but like it's very grounded um it's very self-serious um we follow a kind of loner character who's very obsessed um which is a through line for a lot of his movies not all of them um but it just it felt uh, immediately it felt like oh this is a nolan movie i don't even need to see his name on it to know that this is
0: one of his There's a lot of little tendencies and quirks, um, and a couple of big things that we'll get into. Overall, I I enjoyed it. I think mostly for that reason. Like, I think it's it's fine, and like it does feel like a movie that was made on a very low budget and was sort of someone kind of stretching their legs and figuring out how to make a movie uh, that is not even a feature length movie, I guess. Um, but it it is just really fascinating because yeah I mean the the aesthetic of it's you know posh British guys uh or a posh British guy and another guy who wants to be a posh British guy uh <laughs> kind of talking you know through just dialogue and kind of witty back and forth uh and and having you know comebacks to every line um in, in a, cause it because Nolan has that kind of throughout all his movies in a different way than an Aaron Sorkin. it's it's a more kind of British wit mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a style um, and yeah, you can see it all coming through there is there's a scene at a uh, a nice restaurant where they're eating and I feel like I, it did not click for me until we were we just started talking about it. but I think almost all of his movies have some sort of scene where his characters are eating in a nice restaurant, which is just like a little thing that popped out to me.
1: Um, and they we'll, cut we'll track to, that. Cut to the DVD commentary. and He's like, I like restaurants. Yeah, maybe
0: he just takes... He's. just
1: I like eating. <laughs> all right,
0: guys, uh, today we're going to go out uh, for lunch
1: and we'll catch
0: some He's while we're like,
2: there. My, my writing process is very free-flowing and, and I really only have a checklist. It's a little sticky note I keep on my desk. Um, next to my typewriter and it, uh, it's it got two 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 bullets there fine dining and breathing
1: <laughs> and every and i said okay. all right we're time to make the film so i said to leo and christian and Anne, i said hop in the minivan we're going to joe's crab shack <laughs> <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna make a movie uh-huh. i love the idea of <laughs> We can't keep making references
0: to his future films that we haven't talked about yet, sure, but <laughs> I really like the idea of inception uh when they go down the layer into the dream and uh Cobb is which Cobb is another thing we'll talk about um cobb is is going into the the nice hotel bar, but it's just a Joe'sre <laughs> where it's rocking and the He's waves the are in. <laughs>
1: it says shrimp and ain't easy um. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's uh it's it's cut out of slightly out of sequence. Yes. Um there is apparently on the Criterion DVD a linear edit of the movie. Um I did huh. not partake in that, but that exists.
2: I would be very interested in that. Yeah. Um kind of my big My feeling about Nolan at this point is that I tend to not be a, a big fan of the movies that are very they're a lot more focused on the technical side of things um because he really likes playing around with time and a lot of his films have kind of non-linear narratives and sometimes that works for me like i think batman begins does a very effective job of that although it drops that that uh device halfway through and then just becomes more straightforward so i think it it all works um but then you've got dunkirk which I know Tyler, we're not supposed to speak too far ahead of ourselves, but I, I'm not the biggest fan of the nonlinear nature of that. And then, I need to watch it again
0: because it's just it, it hurts my brain. Um, <laughs> yes. Is but, this whole is this whole venture really just an excuse to make us all watch Tenet, uh by me so that yes. we can talk about it possibly <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've discussed this many I'm times. Going Tyler, to give that movie such a higher grade than anybody thinks it deserves. I'm so excited. <laughs> um.
2: But yeah, I I tend to gravitate more towards the films where I feel like he's prioritizing character and story over, I'm telling this in a really different way. Isn't that awesome? Um, and I feel like he can get easily trapped in those details. Um, and I feel like he starts to in this, but because it's micro budget and it's only 70 minutes, it doesn't bother me because the movie goes by so fast. Um. Whereas something that's like two hours or even closer to three hours, then it becomes more of a problem to me. And it's kind of similar to, uh, you know, my complaints about like speed ramping or like poor color grading. It's just, it's, it's a very specific kind of quirk that I find that can sometimes take me out of it. So yeah. Yeah. it'll be interesting to see as we kind of go along. Cause like the prestige, very nonlinear, that, that might be one of his most nonlinear movies and
0: that, that works for me completely. So, well, that's what I think really all of his movies have something playing with the editing in a way that we eventually go back and reveal more information yeah. than we saw. Um, j- just about all, like, it, it's something he, that clearly very much addressed him um, or is, you know, it's something about that. It's about like Dunkirk and inception. They're more about lining up the climax. It's it's not necessarily we're going, backwards but we are trying to land on you know a big epic moment where you got all these different things and it all flows and makes sense and that's what he's trying to do so and obviously interstellar has interesting timey-wimey stuff so i it's clearly you know something that is very much on his mind i'm curious what the heck we'll get in oppenheimer eventually uh what doing with that but it, it is so it's so fascinating to watch a movie and really a movie that that is so low budget so early in a director's career so you know kind of outside the scope of what people usually talk about with a director and immediately be like yep that's nolan <laughs> this yeah. all tracks ever i see i see all the clues here everything makes sense um, which is yeah i think the ultimate point we do have to talk a little bit about his later movies to say yes this movie has his stamp all over it um and it's really fascinating. I I think so. What he tries to do with the narrative, we we'll should probably get into breaking that down a bit. Uh, there is a framing device about uh, our main character.
1: He doesn't, he doesn't have a name. Does he ever? He not, never gets a name in the credits. Isn't it Bill? The, I thought in the credits, Bill is ringing a bell, but I wasn't. I thought in the credits, he just says the young man.
2: Yeah, it said that in the end credits, but they they refer to him as Bill. Oh, okay. Maybe it's.
1: Okay. Ah, because he wants to pay the bills with the yeah. money. I see.
0: Yeah, maybe that's just Cobb's special name for him. Uh, <laughs> he is talking to uh, a police officer um, at the beginning and kind of the end of the film. There, There's a framing device there of him giving a confession, and basically he's explaining the whole story. Um, and then we have two interviews. It actually reminds me a lot of Memento. Uh, so I'll be curious to compare that when we get there uh, because basically there're there are two narratives that are both how do you remember now? are they both going forward or what what is going backwards? No, I think they're going they're both going forwards, maybe that, yeah, okay, so there the, yeah, there's two there's basically a narrative that's going from, okay, what happened in the very beginning? He was following people and then he met this guy, and then there's a narrative starting from. When he meets the the woman, who again I don't know if they ever give her a name. Um, she
2: is just referred to as the blonde in sure. on Rotten Tomatoes at least.
0: Um, but there's a narrative starting when he meets her, and he's got a different haircut, and he's got a, a bloody lip, and we're kind of like, what's going on with this guy? Uh, and then there's a narrative that proceeds on from there, and then over time things kind of reveal themselves, and eventually. Uh, we kind of hit the point, hit a point in the first narrative that reveals a bunch of stuff about the, you know, the character that he's working with. And then eventually we hit another point where there's another twist. Like it's all layered in a way that is revealing these, this information to you as it happens. Um, And I'd be, I would be really curious to see a linear version of it because I, I'm trying to think through it and the reveals might still work fine based on the way
1: it's done, I'm not 100% sure. Well, I, I feel because, like the ending would still be the ending, too. So
0: Yes, the ending would still be the ending. I guess one of the big things is that we start with him meeting this woman. It seems kind of maybe a little bit accidental. And then he goes and calls Cobb and is like, I'm going to do this job. And Cobb is going to be like, well, you're on your own. Uh, and at that point, he... So, somewhere in there, we reveal that they have burgled this woman previously, and that's kind of, I think, the first little reveal of the movie. Uh, and we we just keep layering from there, where it, it gets more and more complicated as it it winds around kind of what the sequence of events is. So, I, yeah, I think that's a really interesting idea. I would definitely watch that, especially because it's only <laughs> seventy minutes. It's like, why not? I'll yeah. throw that on at some point. <laughs>
2: Well, especially because Nolan is such a stickler for you no, know, the final edit is my version of the movie. There will be yep. no alternate edit. There are no deleted scenes with any of his movies. Like he is very much like, we shot what was in the script. Whether or not that's even necessarily true, I don't know. Uh, because I know with Dark Knight Rises, there's rumors and speculation that more was shot with like Bane's past and some of the flashback stuff. Um. But yeah, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't really like special features or like the behind the scenes stuff. He's not a big fan of that in general. Um, like he he has not done a commentary track for any of his movies. Um, sure. And I think that kind of goes with just his interest in film being like treating it like a magic trick. And that's why, you know, we'll, we'll get into the meta nature of the prestige and inception um, because both of those are very much about making movies. Um, but he is like, no, I I want to kind of give the audience this experience, and I don't want to reveal anything that's behind the curtain. Sure. Which I respect, but also,
0: <laughs> I'd like to hear him talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I there is something really interesting in this that reminded me of the Prestige because uh, there's a, a point where so basically our our character that is a burglar supposedly, I guess he is definitely, but also. This is one thing that i, I wasn't sure about is it, basically we reveal throughout the movie that uh the burglar whose name is Cobb is setting up this guy to take his fall uh yeah, and he kind of makes several 4D chess uh power of suggestion kind of uh, what what's the word for telling somebody one thing because you know they're gonna do the opposite Oh, reverse psychology. Uh, Reverse psychology, yeah. What it, he's he's making a couple of these big plays to kind of line up all the the dominoes perfectly, uh, and have it work in his favor at the end. And kind of a really downer ending yeah. <laughs> overall. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's which interesting.
2: Which is, yeah, it's interesting, particularly because I, I feel like Nolan early in his career has pretty downer endings, and yeah, like that's true. he's gotten more optimistic as he's gone <laughs> along, which is, is weird considering when you're looking at Nolan and just kind of thinking about his movies, I, d- I don't know if that necessarily springs, you know, forth, um, in terms of like, Oh, a lot of his movies do have happy endings. Like he, it yes. just, they, they just seem like such
1: downers a downer. Yeah. Inception might literally be the midpoint of that, where he's like, this one's ambiguous. <laughs> Which that's that's true. Depressing that's or not. True. And then after that, it's okay. Yeah.
0: It's very fascinating. Um, but he cobb uh apparently somehow gets him gets gets bill i guess to he he teaches him all his tricks um and one of the things he does is he says uh i take something from somebody and then make them think about what they've lost like I take and that makes you uh realize what you had uh, and the way he presents it is very much in the way that when we get to the prestige we'll see the the explanation of what the prestige is uh it's it's a very interesting another kind of mind uh manipulation trick mm-hmm. uh it felt it felt like a kind of the first and a pattern of that for things no little will do in future movies, which is interesting um but it it makes me question I don't know how much. Cobb I guess he is that is all true about how he is a burglar, but he found this guy because that guy happened to be following him and then was like, Okay, I'm gonna use you to set you up to eventually take the fall for this woman's murder. Uh which is a lot. (laughs) I I think may I almost wonder if maybe watching it linearly would reveal how overcomplicated that feels. Um But I, I think it's pretty neat to watch it happen to have kind of the reveals happening at the at the very end the police officer is explaining like well all these clues point to you being the one who killed this woman and him being like ah but well it wasn't <laughs> what do you mean it was Cobb? like that it, it, it's a neat reveal in climax there uh again if it is like just depressing yeah um I,
2: I do find it interesting. I, I it looks like the two main actors don't have um many credits uh yeah. their names. So Jeremy Theobald is Bill. And the whole time I was going, he sounds like Andy Circus, but he's not. <laughs> right. I mean Andy Circus and is a
1: chameleon, you don't know. That's true. I,
2: you know, it could have been early days, CG
1: could it could have been (laughs) That six thousand dollars had to go somewhere
2: (laughs) nobody
0: actually has theobald in their name so
2: yeah exactly
0: (laughs) that sounds made up to me
2: and then alex haw plays Cobb, um which is it in any way supposed to be a reference to inception
0: like or or vice versa or vice versa yeah maybe i i I can't i feel like that's got to be just a Like, I mean, obviously, again, I don't think that Nolan is sitting there trying to be like, oh, Inception is actually a a low-key sequel to Following or or anything like that. Um, But I definitely imagine that was in his head. And I think maybe in many ways uh, Inception is a... Uh, You know, sometimes directors will make a short film and then they'll expand that. I actually just, I I didn't realize that there was a Whiplash short film. I saw that earlier. I was bouncing around Wikipedia movies today. Um, And like, David Chazelle made Whiplash as a short film before he made Whiplash the movie. And that happens all the time with directors being like, oh, cool, I get a budget now. I'm going to make this thing and I'm going to make it cooler. Josh Trank
2: made FanForstic the short film and then he was
0: like, I'm ready (laughs) for the big leagues. (laughs) And no one ever gave it to him. And I don't, you know, it's... (laughs) (laughs) It's a real shame. And the uh, world was better for it. <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't ready for the four-hour uh, Fantastic Four film by Josh Trigg.
2: Surely the That's marketing it. on uh, somewhere in there said nothing can prepare you.
0: Yes. Uh, <laughs> the But I, I think, you know, in many ways, Inception is probably a reflection on a lot of those things. Even though this movie does really kind of give the fingerprint of all of Nolan's or many of Nolan's uh, kind of fascinations and, and exploration that he does in, in later films. So I don't know. It's really, it's really interesting. And I think the, the whole cast feels like a cast that you should know every actor mm. from other things. And you, you probably really don't. I could not find anyone from this movie that, I realized I knew from another movie, even though I think they all look pretty recognizable.
1: Yeah. I didn't recognize anybody. If that says anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, that was really, cause I feel like they're all really strong. And I think maybe that's something that comes through more than anything about this is that no one's getting really good performances out of these people that, you know, have not really gone anywhere crazy with their, uh, their acting careers. Uh, and they know Christopher Nolan, which I feel like says something if, you know, they really were able to cut or maybe they just were all hanging out because they thought it sounded like a fun time and did not actually want to be an actor full time. But um, I think that definitely shows that he can get people to do kind of what he's trying to evoke from the characters uh, very early on. I think you can see that coming across.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, especially just because his movie, well, all of them really, but uh, this one in particular, like it's so dialogue heavy. Yeah. The way you sell it is on the performances like that's that has to work for something like this. And it's very clear that he's just that's one of his gifts is working with actors. Um, I did want to mention because I, I would feel remiss not mentioning this. Uh, the, the police uh, investigator Uh, is John Nolan, who I believe is Christopher Nolan's uncle. And he shows up in, uh, Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises as one of the Wayne board members. Um,
0: I think. Is he the guy that Morgan Freeman says, did you get the boobo too? Or is that a different guy? Yes. Cool. I think. (laughs) We're going with it. Yeah. (laughs) Um.
2: And then Lucy Russell, who plays The Blonde, shows up briefly in the hotel scene in Batman Begins where Bruce buys the hotel.
1: And now you know. And now you know. I'm That's what you know from. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um <coughs> Yeah. Yeah, the movie did feel to me like a really good student film. Like yes. it really felt to me like if a college student was going was making their movie their opus in in college but then they were gonna grow up to be christopher nolan like it feels like this is the movie they would make like i remember i watched chronos which is del toro's first movie and and i probably liked it a little bit more but similarly it's very different while still going like yeah this is del toro (laughs) like i can see how this led to everything we have since seen um but that was the kind of the thing that I got around me the whole time. Was, but every time I would start getting that, like, oh, it's like a student film. I went, yeah, but it's if this were a student film, I'd be really impressed by it. So, yeah,
2: yeah, I, I think it's what really got me was just the premise. I, I just think it's mm-hmm. it, it's a even with the Nolan trappings, I, I feel like it's just a unique premise of of just a guy's just kind of starts following people and just finds that to be a a fascinating subject well but again it's it's into
1: a life of crime the premise for so briefly is so briefly the premise and then it becomes about crime and breaking and entering and stuff but i
2: i i do appreciate that we don't really lose sight of bill being like a creep and a loner um because I feel like it's very easy in this type of movie to be like, yeah, he's the protagonist, so we all like him, right? Um, I like how uh, between Cobb and the blonde, like people continue to chastise him, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, you follow people. It's a right. little
1: weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's not most people don't do that. And he keeps saying, and I think this works that he says he wants to be a writer, but we barely ever see him write. <laughs> like I think yeah. that yeah. I think that's fitting.
2: Uh, What felt very student film to me in particular was we don't get a backstory for anyone. It's just Mm -hmm. like, here they are. (laughs) Um, Which I mean, the movie's very focused and I like that. And once again, kind of to me, this felt just kind of like back to basics. No one like I I don't know how Oppenheimer is going to be. But after a, a, you know, a film like Tenet where he kind of just goes full blast, like, unfiltered nolan i yeah. i prefer something a little kind of trimmed down and streamlined like this um so in some ways this felt like a breath of fresh air
1: sure
0: yeah i, I think it's you can tell uh, kind of in the the way it's done you know like the sets are all it's happening in apartments and like you said, Dunkin' Donuts and restaurants, and uh, one house. Basically, they get they get one uh, kind of office scene in, a, in an abandoned office. Um, there, I think that definitely is where it kind of it comes across that it's not you know working on a high budget or high production value or anything. But uh, a lot of it, I think, does really work. Still, like even the them not having a backstory or not really like fleshing out the characters. That to me is I, I think explored pretty well in the way that the movie's like, oh well, this guy's going around, he's trying to he's he's looking at people's personal belongings and finding their backstory, and they they all want to see or they want to know someone's seen it. Like they hide it away because really they want they want people to read their diary. That's that's his explanation. Um and then of course the movie the result of the movie is that Cobb actually uh, stumbled upon somebody who had died beforehand. So then like that's the whole reason he's doing all of this to Bill. So I think it, it tracks that we don't get a lot of you know previous information. and I also think one of the really fascinating scenes in the movie is the scene with um, them going to Bill's apartment. Which has a little a little Batman logo on the front door. Yeah, <laughs> <So> make it <laughs> I like that, that. Um But he
2: Cobb. That's weird. They got to that scene. I was like, "What are they doing in my apartment?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then you heard a knock at the door. <laughs> Cobb sort of psychoanalyzes Bill because Bill has brought him there to kind of get a reaction. I think out of Cobb is sort of what we're supposed to infer is that he wants to see, like, "Oh, does Cobb like?" my taste in music does he think i'm an interesting person you know is he is he? Is this do i it's a very sort of um sad yeah kind of move in a way and later we find out that comedy the whole time but was kind of playing along with it and giving him reasons why like oh this guy's a loser he's got you know this music that no one listens to and you know he's a writer, but he doesn't really write anything. And uh, it, getting into all that stuff, um, really just like putting him down when
2: he knows like, that it's like it's I him. said. I thought it was weird that they just went to my
0: apartment. <laughs> <laughs> um, very weird. But I think that helps really inform the character of the uh of of our our young man. Uh, both of the observations that Kyle makes about him, and then. Just the fact that he he wanted that kind of craved that kind of uh, attention and, and interest, and it, I mean, is kind of playing right into the fact that Cobb was saying people want their private things to be seen subconsciously. Uh, I don't know it, it that is, all that stuff really early on because that is really the one track that starts fairly linearly uh, in the the path it's taking as it's alternating with these other seeds is really just. Cobb teaching him about burglary and how he does things and why he does things. And that section, I think is really, is just really fascinating. and has a lot of, it almost feels more Nolan to me, probably a uh, more traditional Nolan is there's just a lot of dialogue. There, there's a lot of uh, British people explaining things in very interesting ways. Yeah. <laughs> I think a common, uh, a common occurrence there. So, I really like that section. I think it, it turns into something different kind of once they introduce the bond, and we get into bill trying to plan a heist and steal back some blackmail photos. And we get reveals upon reveals of who's betraying who and, you know, who knows what. Uh, And I, I think it's, it's really interesting overall to have a movie where the protagonist is getting outplayed at every turn and then just loses. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's what kind of ultimately comes across to me about the finale and about the way it's structured is that you kind of have the, it sets it up so that you have this, this deadbeat guy who's following people around and being creepy and, you know, looks raggedy. Uh, and then you have this other track where he's a little more polished and, seems like maybe he has it more together and he has a big plan. And so you're kind of like, okay, that he's going to, as you realize what the chronological nature of the movie is like and, and how it's telling the story, just jumping between the timelines, you realize like, okay, that he's going to kind of get it all together and he's going to have his own plan and be doing his own thing. And you're kind of seeing how his plan unfolds, but he, he ultimately has a very underbaked plan. He's just trying to break into this, safe and get uh, the money and the photos from a vault. Uh and then uh stumbles upon a, a guard who he has to knock out with a hammer, uh and possibly kill. And he he doesn't have a bag, so he straps a bunch of money to himself with duct tape and it's a very yeah. amateurish. And then he still he does get away with it. At that point, um but it, like there's a point where he's telling the blonde that she he's he's saying some lie to her but he's not telling her the whole truth because she's mad at him and he says oh i was with cob right or, or no i was i was following a burglar friend and so i you know that's why i was asking about what it was like to be burgled but he still doesn't tell her i was part of the, the two people that uh, broken into your house like he, he doesn't go that far well he specifically says i didn't take anything oh maybe, okay maybe he does say he goes in the house but he didn't take anything yet. yeah um so that is like the the fact that i i don't remember if we know it at that point but we definitely know looking back on it that she knew everything about him and he's making this half lie of her and, and you, you just see kind of how the other characters in the movie are viewing him as this total pawn who could just be played with. Uh, and it's a really interesting stance to put the, the narrator in where the narrator, <clears throat> not the narrator, but the protagonist is sort of unreliable just because they're so unaware of what's going on around them and getting pulled in so many directions and getting totally like played by the other people in the movie. That that's really fascinating. That's that probably is what it interests me most about the movie and about the narrative because of how that leaves you when at the end you're just like wow this guy really like he had nothing up his sleeve that he was never gonna pull this off he was the one being followed yes <laughs> wait um say that again
2: <laughs> i did think the uh the final shot was a little cheesy with Cobb kind of walking away yep. and you know crowd walks in front of him and then he's gone okay, okay. All right, all right. Halloween
1: 17, whatever. <laughs> Again, student film. Sure. Yeah. I have, like, nothing to say about this movie. It's occurring to me that, like, it really just did not, like, stick in my brain. <laughs> I think I said both before the show, but I was, like, I both... I, I didn't know if I was being snobby or ignorant with this one. Was I being like, oh, it's fine, whatever. Or was I just intimidated by it and I was like, I don't get this, so I'm gonna like put up a wall. I I feel like it's really pretty simple.
0: Yeah. When you look at it. I mean, it's kinda, of, you know, people there there is discourse
1: around. Or not the not that I didn't get the plot, but the filmmaking. Sure.
0: But I mean I think there's there's discourse around like, oh, Inception is like a is it a smart movie or is it a, a movie that people Want to think is a smart movie, so they say it's smart because it makes them feel smart. Like, people have had that argument forever. I I think that's ultimately what it comes down to a lot of the time is that he has very technically complex plot structures, but there's not, it's not like art house. (laughs) Right. right. There's not so much going on there that you, you know, totally have to parse it, and it's all totally up to interpretation and what is your critical analysis. Like, it it really is straightforward it's just again like it's a magic trick it's a fun seeing the payoff is really i think what he's going for yeah he just wants you to feel that, that kind of light bulb click as everything falls into place yeah
2: like like i said he, he likes he likes the technical <laughs> challenge of this he likes constructing little puzzles out of plots um and your mileage will vary on if you can go with that or not the the infernal puzzle master, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yes. And Christopher Nolan should have played the Riddler in the Batman. Yeah. Can you imagine this posh British he voice fled. going, ah <laughs> <laughs> this is not the way it was supposed to
1: go. <laughs> he should have been in that Zoom call with Benoit Blanc and Glass Onion. That would have been <laughs> playing Pretty Among good. Us. Okay. <laughs> yes. Can I, well I alright,
2: all right. For the next knives out movie, can it just be him and Christopher Nolan and Benoit Blanc traveling on an adventure together and then they, they run into, I don't know, John Cena or somebody. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not?
0: <laughs> I think it'd be good.
2: It's fine. Then know. then Angela Bassett will show up and out act everyone. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever.
0: <laughs> Uh I really like the way that like the there there's a couple of neat things that happen with Cobb. It, it is a little over the top to the point of maybe almost being too hard to believe. Um but basically his final reveal in act is uh after he's been supposedly with the blonde the whole time and kind of on her side. Uh it it's revealed at the end he's actually still working for her ex-partner and is supposed to kill her so he's basically he he planted the story about the old lady dying which I think I said earlier happened but it did not actually happen <laughs> the story about the old lady that he stumbled upon dead while he was burgling a house was a lie that he planted on her to tell the bill eventually when Bill got, like, actually managed to make the the escape happen and get away with the money, he wanted her to tell him so that he would go to the police to say, oh, hey, it was caught. Why does he go to the police? <laughs> I've, already, I've already lost the, the, the threat here.
2: I can't remember if he goes because he killed the guy and he was feeling guilty about it. Or if there was something else.
0: No, there's something specifically where he's trying to I think he's maybe yeah, maybe he's just trying to come clean about the whole thing. And so he's trying Like I think he's trying to catch Calm. But basically the the whole lady story is a lie, so he shows up. Calm has killed the blonde. The blonde gets blamed on him. The earring which Cobb, when they were both in the house, uh, specifically took and then said, oh, I'm going to put this in the under the piano music just so that she finds it later and is confused. When really, he never actually put it in there. So then Bill goes to look for it when he goes over to her house. He can't find it because he was going to try and be like, oh, I found it for you. Um, and then Cobb, inside saves it and puts it on in Bill's apartment so that they'll find... It along with her underwear and other stuff so that the police will have even a better case against him for him being the one. So, like, basically, the entire point, I guess, is that Cobb set up this guy to take the fall for a murder he was going to commit and was able to do it by convincing him there was a murder he had already committed, or, like, there there was already a murder that... Like it's it's very again, when when you get to that end and all the, the light bulbs kind of click, it's fun. Like I think that's neat and I, I like the way Nolan does that. Um it is a little bit kind of insane to think about when you think about the whole overarching story, which again, be curious to see what it's like all laid out straight. And if it feels like it still makes sense, but it's a it's a neat uh machination that I think uh, again, is is very and It feels like that's the kind of thing he would come up with.
2: Tyler, I'm going to send you a corkboard and some red string, and we'll we'll just leave you leave you to yep. it for this set of movies. We this isn't even. Yeah, I was going to say
0: we haven't even gotten to the like really. Com- we haven't even. <laughs> I I need. <laughs> you need to just shut me in a solitary confinement room, uh, with with marker. Uh, <laughs> when we get to tenant. And, you know, we'll just, I'll come out, I'll come out with the answers. <laughs> I'll figure it out. We'll do it live.
2: Um. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. I thought it was, you know, pretty well, well done, considering the limitations. And I definitely see kind of the threads through his other movies.
1: I'm giving it a B plus. A C for Christopher. There you go.
0: I hadn't even thought about a grade. I'd probably
1: go B+, as well.
0: I think that feels right. I think it's
1: neat. Yeah. Final verdict. Yeah, I haven't seen the next two Nolan movies uh, that we'll do. I've seen all the other ones after that, but we're in the we're in the the shadow lands for me which is which is fun because i I'm, I'm i'm curious to see memento i've never never watched it so britain you've got
2: two weeks to prep your best al pacino impression
1: <laughs> <laughs> is there such a thing <laughs> yes <laughs> definitively yes <laughs> cool what do you guys have to recommend Deadwood's still good. That's all I got. <laughs> not done yet.
0: Tyler, you got anything? Um, I have I have two, like... Let me talk through them and see if I want either to be a full-threaded recommendation, and if not, I don't know. You know, okay. go watch Star Wars or something. I'm, <laughs> what, why, what are you coming to me for? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and or... Andor is my default for for the moment. Okay. I think we've gone Nachos, Beta Ray Bill, Andor. That's my... All right. Yeah. Safe bets. Uh, just any given week. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, um, that
1: is the mosaic that is Tyler. It, it really. <laughs> is. the family crest um, reads... Yes. <laughs> it's Beta Ray Bill holding some nachos, and the banner below it says Andor. Yes. <laughs> and nerds um, get so mad at it, at that <laughs> shirt I have from Redbubble. <laughs> uh
0: nerds hate when you pretend Beta Ray Bill and Nachos are in the same universe. As Star Wars. <laughs> As Star Wars. Um I so for one, uh my wife and I watched the first part of season four of you. Okay. Um I'm not sure I ever even finished season three. I think she went ahead of me on that and I was like, Alright, fine. Um, which is a show that we've been watching kind of since it first started coming out on Netflix. It's Pin Badgley being a um psychopath who is like follow i mean speaking of following follows a woman until uh kind of inevitably killing them after being kind of romantically romantically obsessed with them it's a very like it's a dark show and it's it's pretty chilling but it's also it's very clear the you know anytime you're watching that he has very little self-awareness yeah um and he makes a lot of comments of like why would that jerk do that to her? I would never do that. Like mm-hmm. he, th- There's constant narration throughout it, and it, it does a good job of um, kind of making it clear that he's not in on it. Like, he, like, the audience is supposed to understand that this is not a good person. Um, but the newest season has him kind of trying to actually, you know, be a better person, and he ends up embedding in a group of, like, crazy uh rich people in london um, and it's it's bonkers and kind of fun and okay. weird <laughs> it was a show that i felt like was starting to get a little a little stale the first three seasons i feel like are very similar with some wrinkles um but like this this is a lot of fun apparently the next it's five, they've dropped five episodes the next five are dropping on or in april in like a month or something like that um but it was it was neat, and I would I would say check it out. It, it almost is something that probably works without having seen the other seasons, except ah. that you do need to know that the character is a terrible, sure. <laughs> a terrible, terrible person. So maybe don't, I don't know. Um, but there's that. I thought that was fun. Um, then also, I played a game called Yoku's Island Express, uh, which is a game where you are a pinball player uh, rolling beetle you're like a little beetle kind of attached to basically a pinball and there's an island full of pinball machines that's never explained uh but you're coming to this island and you are supposed to be delivering mail and shenanigans ensue and there's like a bigger darker story underneath it's not it's not really like dark at all it's just like there's a monster yeah this looks adorable Um, it's it's very cute it's very fun it's it's a it's a smart little game um and like the the map is really really ingeniously constructed, uh, just in terms of how you navigate. Because basically the whole game is you're just shooting your ball all over the place and bouncing between different lanes. And there's lots of little like mini pinball games that you're playing to unlock stuff. And um, it is very cute and fun. And it's got a good amount of content. There's like a a true ending spoilers I guess <laughs> that after you kind of do the main story thing. Um, it's not long at all, but I, right now I, I just picked it up cause I'd heard about it and it, I think is currently on sale. If you're listening to this still within the month of February, 2023, 20, Oh God. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, it is $4 on the switch oh, eShop wow. and it's normally like 20. So I would I would say high value for that price. You could get, uh, bad movies on amazon <laughs> for four dollars
1: and i'm not even own them so we've done it yes I, I watched the first season and a good chunk of the second season of you and the second season was i i it wasn't really working on me as much but i've heard the season two finale is crazy So like i i do intend to finish it at some point the first season is really strong and there's a lot of like commentary on like the woke guy thing yeah. um like the quote feminist guy uh pim badgley's really good in it and elizabeth Lale is really really good in that first season as well that show's also really good at making you uh hate characters um <laughs> yes. him and other people there's a lot of me yes. just i think that's part of why i dropped off of season two is i was yeah. like i'm getting too <laughs> angry at too many of these people but as i'm probably supposed to feel um jenna Ortega's in that too from fallout oh i forgot about that yeah um, she's in fallout? scream 5. no that's a different movie um, she's in another movie called the fallout is that what it is you got my hopes huh? yeah no I mean you never know um, look that fallout show has Kyle McLaughlin oh that's right so I don't know how it's gonna
0: turn out but I do know I will watch it yeah come on so anything that gives me more confidence will
1: make me feel better d- d- damn fine nuclear war yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, Diane, things took a turn. (laughs) Um, I'm uh, very excited to recommend my movie this year. This year. I do that a lot. (laughs) I'll probably still feel this way in a few months. No, I'm going to recommend a movie from 2004 called The Company. Um, I just kind of stumbled across it randomly at work and rented it, and I'm really glad that I did. Uh, It's by Robert Altman. Very uh, well-liked American director... uh, and I think this is one of his last movies before he passed away in 2006. And it's about a ballet company in Chicago. I believe it is the actual Joffrey ballet company, like the actual Joffrey ballet company plays themselves in the movies, in the movie. Hmm. And um, Altman has this kind of like fly on the wall uh, approach to making movies where you never really get up close with the characters. you just always kind of, you literally are just observing them and observing their lives. There's a lot of like, the actor who is talking is kind of people are passing in front of them as they're having a conversation Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, Which the first I've only seen two of his other movies, but the first time I saw them, I was kind of put off by it. But now that I kind of better understand what he's doing, I I like it a lot more. Um, And it's, I guess it's mostly, and there are actors in it, but the only like name actors are James Franco's in there. The, The, the artistic director of the Chicago of the ballet troupe is Malcolm McDowell. who's very, very good. And kind of the feature, not the lead lead, but kind of the featured character is Nev Campbell, uh, who we all love. Mm. And she also has a story credit on the movie and is one of the producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's fantastic in it. It's a, it's a good performance, but she dances a lot in it and like full on like ballet dances. And she has a, there's a really beautiful, I guess, duet. It's her and a guy dancing. And it's just stunning. Like, it's so good. I would not, if I didn't know Nev Campbell was an actress, I would assume that's just a ballerina who could act really well. Like Mm. she does such a good job in it. The ballet sequences are filmed really beautifully. I'm not a ballet person, but I think watching it on film is a really captivating experience. Like I think ballet can be very cinematic and, you know, so it looks really pretty there. The, there's not really a narrative to it. It's very, Unfocused, which I know is going to turn some people off that were just like, Oh yeah, there's kind of a subplot about this kid sleeping on a floor, but, <laughs> and, and having an extra condom that was a woman asked him for. But like, that doesn't mean anything in the movie. It just, is there, but like, that's kind of what I like about it. It's like, I'm just going to watch people do ballet. And then it's the next day and they're doing more ballet. It's, it's, it's really, and I, I really loved all the rehearsal scenes like watching them practice and then the director be like oh try it this way and then they're arguing like i loved all that stuff um i just found it really really interesting and it looks beautiful uh and i really recommend it and the the ending the ballet they're doing is crazy they got all these wild costumes there's a giant like animatronic giant in the back who just keeps like eating people and darting his eyes around it's incredible uh so i really recommend it i i said i rented it from work it might be streaming somewhere but it is called the company and I really liked it. No nachos. Cool. But James Franco oh. does make some eggs at one point. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we should also say... Yeah. We have Well, a first I'll plug. say... Plug. Uh,
0: yeah. We... You know, you can find us online at herecomthesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at htsequels. You can email us at herecomthesequels at gmail.com. We're on Spotify and other places uh so go find us there um but i mean you've already found us but continue to find us there uh but another place you can find us uh is on a podcast called classic city vibes which is sort of a uh a city reveal for us i guess or a a theater reveal maybe because we do reveal the theater we've all referenced at that we've worked at Mm -hmm. Uh, but i'm not going to tell you either of those things unless you go listen to the podcast
1: uh yeah yeah we uh it, it's a local podcast and uh, james the host was nice enough to have us on and talk about this show talk about movies talk about just kind of and did the whole the whole thing it was a it was a really fun time i think we're all a little nervous but he was really easy to talk to we had a really fun time doing it did an awesome job
0: i had a cool uh, audio setup yeah that uh is better than i think anything we've pulled off in person so. <laughs> it's like a real correct podcast. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah, if you were listening to this episode and going, wow, wow, they're, they're, they're Christopher Nolan episode, the first one is pretty short. So it says just over an hour. If you want to listen to us talk for two hours, <laughs> not about Captain Marvel. Not about yeah. Captain Marvel. Oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, that is Classic City Vibes. Our, uh, the conversation just went up, I think, today. Yeah. We're recording it which i guess doesn't mean anything to you if you're listening to it now but it's out there
2: yeah yeah i think we the, the time that we recorded it was actually a couple of weeks ago and i think we were do we reference i can't remember if it, if we reference like a specific like oh this is the last movie that we talked i think about. we
0: do i think we it was between like black adam and kind of forever it or might have been effect, actually but yeah, yeah. you point, haven't missed much, point being, or we haven't missed much
2: Point being, if you listen to this and then you go over there and you're like, wow, this is like some Christopher Nolan nonlinear stuff going on. <laughs> we planned it perfectly. Correct. We, we like Cobb in this movie, manipulated you to go
1: listen to that podcast. I've been Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can and you can find that wherever you find podcasts. Yes. That is out there in the world. You don't have to, like, solve a troll's riddle or anything i've been tyler (laughs) hey i've been britain and thanks for following us uh join us back next week where we'll make some real mementos